by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors on your radio and 24-7 on demand in the radio station's app where you can go and listen to all of our past episodes. We bring in Game and Fish each and every week to make sure that you are informed of all the latest and greatest developments going on inside uh, the outdoors, which is kind of uh, odd to say. But Janet Millick is uh, with us each and every week. And Janet, I know that 2024 has a lot of big things on the horizon, especially when it comes to our hunting, fishing and, and outdoor world. That's right, Drew. And I know every week we talk about things. Sometimes they're pretty heavy and can get pretty scientific and in-depth on how we're managing wildlife or fisheries or what people can be expecting if they're out enjoying themselves on the weekend. But I'll tell you what, towards the end of January, when we had those, you know, I don't know if they were 50 square days or 60 square days where it was 60 degrees and 60 mile an hour, but I got a little taste of a Wyoming summer. And that really made me start thinking about some of the things that our conservation education section in the Wyoming Game and Fish Department does for kids, families, women um, during the summertime. And so um, I invited our conservation education coordinator, Parker, who is out of our Cheyenne office, to come and talk with us a little bit about some of those opportunities that we're going to have going on this summer. So uh, welcome, Parker. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's super nice to be here. Parker, it is awesome to see how many opportunities that Game and Fish give families throughout the year and specifically the summer, just because why not keep the kids in a mental state of mind of learning while they're maybe not in school, but having fun while they're learning. And there are different levels of camps that uh, Game and Fish has, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we have camps that are specifically just for the kids. Uh, that'll be for 12 to 15 year olds. We have a boys camp and a girls camp for those 12 to 15 year olds. And those camps are really targeted at getting kids interested in outdoor careers. Um, so we bring in a lot of guest speakers from the game and fish department. We bring in some game wardens. We bring in wildlife biologists, fish biologists. We bring in uh, some people from our education section and really just work to instill kind of that conservation ethic in those kids. Um, we really want to get them thinking about, could I, you know, I like, I like hunting. I like fishing. I like being outside. Can that be my career? Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity for them to see that there's a lot of opportunities, especially in a state like Wyoming for them to have a career outdoors. And I think that um, we've had some really good success and we we've started to establish kind of a pathway of where we bring some of those, some of those more leadership oriented kids back and, they have the opportunity to lead the newer students and then hopefully go on and have wonderful careers with the game and fish. When kids go to a, a career camp like that, uh, you said between the ages of like 15 and, and whatever, do they come back multiple years? I mean, are they going to, are you going to see repeat faces? Yeah. And so that's, we started a program last year called the assistant conservation educator program. And what that does is it takes those kids who have really excelled and have shown that leadership potential and it allows them to come back in kind of a different aspect. And so maybe they're, they've gotten a little tired of just doing the same activities, even though they're super fun. Uh, they're archery experts, they're fishing experts. Uh, they want to step into that leadership role and see what kind of the back end of things look like. Uh, so we have some students this year that are coming back for their fourth year, um, you know, as they move into those upper echelons of high school and really start ironing out what they want to do in their lives. 
and it gives them some really good experience um, in uh, in the conservation field and, and kind of leadership based stuff. And one of the things that Parker is not telling you is where these kids learn all of this, whether it's their first time or not, is at our Whiskey Mountain Conservation Camp, which is based out just outside of Dubois in the Wind River Range, which for those folks that aren't familiar is kind of um, some winter range, fantastic stomping ground for Rocky Mountain Bighorn Sheep, as well as a lot of other wildlife. So you are learning all of this, you know, as you sit in our camp and look at um, the glaciers and the, the peaks and Arrow Mountain and all the fantastic places just right around there. So, um, you know, you're doing some hikes into some pretty fantastic country. You're surrounded by all of the stuff that you're learning about. So it really is a great way. And so Parker makes it seem like it, it's a, a pretty short camp by the way he describes it but it is six fun-filled days that youth 12 to 15 can experience um for you know a, a full week in the summer and it is it is well worth it for 150 dollars i i would like to send my kids off for six days no absolutely and i i you make a great point janet we're really blessed with the location we have there you know we have the fitzgerald wilderness basically out the back door of the camp and it really, we don't spend a lot of time inside during those six days. We spend most of the time outdoors and, and getting those kids engaged in, in all the things that that area has to offer and all the lessons we want to teach them. So that's a great point. Do you find and even better? And even better sometimes, Drew, their cell phones don't work. <laughs> yeah. That, well, they, except for mom and dad that are freaking out because little Johnny or Susie aren't checking in with them but we'll let them check in but beyond that you know it's it's a pretty fantastic thing because actually the kids don't want their cell phones except for taking selfies well and that kind of is the best part about this is for a kid to want to go to a camp like that they obviously have a little bit of an idea that they would like to be hands-on with the outdoors and conservation and game and fish so being able to actually get that hands-on experience really is one of the pluses to go into a camp like this. No, absolutely. And we really see this as a public service that we're trying to do. The 150 bucks is more of a, is a placeholder. Um, and that's why this is actually run off of an application system. We want to make sure that the students that come to this camp are really engaged and, and have an interest in outdoor uh, skills, outdoor careers. Um, and so that application closes April 30th. It's live on our website right now. Um, but we want to make sure that nobody's getting forced to come. Everyone who's coming is, is really bought in so we can create that good atmosphere for everybody. So outside of the career-based camp, what kind of other camps are available through the summer for families or even kids specifically? Yep. So we have three camps for families this summer. I'll start with our adventure camp, which is kind of our our introductory level camp, I'd say. Um, That's open for everyone ages six and up. So everyone who's in elementary school can come to that. Um, that is really like your introduction to our, our style of teaching into the outdoors in general. If you've never been outside, that's the camp that you want to come to. Um, if you're new to hiking, if you're new to archery, if you're new to fishing, we're going to cover all that stuff at a real beginner level. Uh, you're going to get to be outside for the entire camp. You're going to get to experience canoeing. You're going to get to experience the archery stuff. Um, but it's not going to be super challenging. It's going to be, you know, making sure that everyone has a really great experience and wants to come back for more. Um, that camp is June 13th to 16th. Um, and I forgot to mention all of our family camps are first come first serve. So there's not actually an application process for those. We do anticipate closing that, uh, 
registration May 15th. But if they fill it before that, we can only take uh, 35 people, so around 10 to 11 families. Um, if they fill it before that, unfortunately, we're going to have to close them earlier. So it's, it would be good to get on sooner rather than later. So in a camp in a camp like that, though, it's a family camp. So does mom and dad need to be with the kids or can it be you send the older siblings with the younger siblings? So we do have to have an adult, uh, but that adult can be any combination of people. We've had grandparents bringing grandkids. We've had aunts and uncles bringing nieces and nephews. We've had, you know, just dads, if, if mom can't get off work, uh, bringing their kids. Uh, we also just have some couples come, you know, maybe some older uh, couples who didn't get a chance to learn this stuff when they were younger. And now they have this opportunity as kind of a family unit without kids even. And that's been really rewarding. Which that that's a great thing. And, you know, I'm thinking like a single mother that maybe has a couple of kids that are looking to get outside. Mom was a city girl and didn't really get her hands dirty. So this would really be a good opportunity for her, too. Yeah, absolutely. So the next level then would be a little more of an advanced camp, I guess. Yep. And so we have two camps at that level. Our first one that I'll talk about is our fishing camp. Um, and this fishing camp is a partnership we do with Trout Unlimited. We bring in some guest speakers from Trout Unlimited to work on our fly fishing side of things. And our game and fish people handle the spin casting side of things. So participants actually get to learn a lot about both sides of fishing. They get to learn about throwing spinners and you know, fish in lakes for trout. And then we also take them out on a stream and they can learn about fly casting and how to read, read water and, and get a good opportunity to catch some fish on a fly rod as well. Um, again, that's a little more advanced. We, we have that camp as a 10 year olds, you know, 10 plus camp. Um, because I think a six year old would struggle a little bit with the fly casting portion. And we want to make sure that we don't have to hold the whole group back for one person. Um, that camp is June 27th to the 30th. Uh, so we hit, we have in that valley, Jamie was talking about, we have a, a string of lakes and they're well stocked and uh, full of fish. And we had a really good time last year, caught a lot of fish. So really you could go to the first one and then feel comfortable there. And then maybe even pull into the, the second one, if you're maybe a little more advanced. If you could, yeah. If you, if you had the time this summer, you definitely could. One of the things here in Casper Drew that, that is kind of um, an obstacle for us is we usually get out of school a little bit later than a lot of the other school districts. And so um, I just want to encourage everyone to be thinking about the summer now because some of these camps actually start 16th of June, which is pretty close to the end of our school deadline. So just think like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna wait until school is out to start looking at these camps that might be later in the summer get registered now and, and be thinking about what a great trip this could be right out of school and, and a great place for everyone to relax. And, and just want to reiterate again, um, we call it camp. That's just an old slang term we've used. It is a top-notch education facility that we have. It was recently um, reconstructed for those of you who have maybe been to the Becoming an Outdoors Woman camps or some, some of those that were a little bit earlier in time. Um, so we have a screened in pavilion to keep the mosquitoes off if you want to sit down. We have this great campfire setting that runs right or that sits right along Tory Creek, which runs right through camp. Lots of, like I said before, hiking trails. You know, you can hike up to the rim um, to look for bighorn sheep in the evenings. It's just a fantastic and I can't reiterate again, like it's not, you're in the middle of nowhere and it's it's fantastic. We have petroglyphs um, that you can learn all about the history of the valley in addition, in addition to the wildlife. So it, it's a really cool facility that is well worth a look and time. So well, 
at at a, a camp like this, is it structured out to where your day is fully planned, or I mean, because obviously you you have specific educational sides, but you know, to get out and and relax a little bit. Yeah, no. So we we schedule free time into every day at the camp, just so people honestly, most of the time it's nap time. There's a lot of great opportunities, but we run them pretty hard when we're running them. Uh, and so a lot of times that's nap time for the parents. Uh, the kids might play cards in the in the dining hall there. Um, we do try to, you know, make sure that everyone has an opportunity. We have lots of optional sessions. So, for example, in that fishing camp, we have an optional early morning session. Maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's when the fish are biting the best. So we want to be out there on the water right at sunrise. Um, so we really try to make the experience whatever people want it to be as best as we can. And while you know, Janet mentioned the facility again, I got to give a shout out to our, our fantastic caterer. We have three square meals a day and the food is fantastic. I mean, if I wasn't working so hard, I would gain a lot of weight in the summer. <laughs> so you're saying That's it's right. just not beans and cornbread then? Yeah. Oh no, it is fantastic. Connie is out of this world. And um, even though Parker said he didn't gain weight, I always did. So I'm, I'm proud of him for, for keeping um, his himself nice and slim as he's out there running around. But it, it truly is fantastic. And and really, um, you know, for folks that have dietary restrictions, she is so fantastic at, at accommodating. And even for those picky kids, I know I've got a couple of each. So it is a nice way to, you know, take the take the load off of, you know, your shoulders for cooking for a week and just come and, and enjoy each other as a family. And then, uh, Parker, the next level is uh, even more advanced of, of a camp. Yep. And so our, our last family camp of the summer is our Hunter Education Camp. And this one's run by our Hunter Education Coordinator, Katie Simpson. Um, this will be July 10th through the 14th. So it's an extra day. It starts on a Wednesday and ends on a Sunday. Um, and this is if you took a Hunter Ed class and stretched it out to five full days. And you, instead of doing PowerPoints and talking about it in a classroom, you got out and did the things. And so they'll shoot archery. They'll practice firearm safety with actual firearms. They'll uh, do outdoor survival and build shelters and work on, you know, what happens if you fall in the creek? How does hypothermia set in? Can you build a fire when your hands are all wet? Um, Some of those real practical, real world applications. Uh, And we bring in hunter ed instructors from around the state to help teach that. So there's a lot of different experience. and There's a lot of experience in that room at that time. So we had talked about the the very first level to where, you know, young kids that don't know much about, but if we get to this level, do you have to have that outdoor experience already to go or will you actually learn it there? You'll learn it there. I think an interest in hunting is a must for this camp. If if this is a great place to start, if you're like, I want to go hunting, you know, maybe I wasn't raised in a family that hunted and so i don't know where to start this is where to start i think you'll work on some stalking techniques as well and then you'll walk away from this camp with both your hunter education certificate which is a legal certification required to hunt the state of wyoming and your bow hunter ed certificate um, which is not required in wyoming but in some other states it is required and you'll have a lot of great knowledge coming out of that and i do want to reiterate drew um you know, kind of the way it's been pitched is one, two, and three, but it is not necessarily that way. If your passion happens to be, gosh, I live in Casper. I want to go fly fish the river. I want to learn more about fishing. You don't have to have any knowledge prior, you know, just kind of a a strong interest, like Parker said, and, and the same with the parents. Do not feel like you as a parent have to know this stuff to go to these camps to be a part of it. That's what these are there for, is to teach families as a whole together to take away some of the um, intense, 
you know, husband maybe trying to teach the wife that happens, those sorts of things. My favorite is always the story that one of, um, I had a it, an experience at, at one of the camps with a mother who, you know, took her kid to one of the community fisheries for the entire summer and couldn't catch any fish and couldn't catch any fish and then heard about one of these camps and went. And she learned that the problem was you don't wrap the the worm around the bobber. You put it on the hook and then you put the bobber up from the hook a little way. So it kind of dangles down in the water. And then she and her son had the most fantastic next summer worth of fishing. And so just little things like that, that, you know, you think you're doing things right, um, but you just want to ask questions and not be treated like you don't, you know, that you're dumb. I know sometimes I get the eye rolls when I ask questions about things that I don't know about. And so there's none of that that goes on here and a fantastic environment to learn from your peers, from Game and Fish, and from all the special guests that come in to help. What level ages go to this camp? Is this, this is obviously another family camp. Uh, do you have to be a certain age on that one? So this one is also 10 plus. Our, uh, our Hunter Ed curriculum is written to a fifth grade reading level, so we really want that 10-year-old that um, age group. Which that's obviously a great time to start learning about uh, hunter education. Anyway, is uh, you know if you you weren't brought up like that, but family camps all summer long. What other kind of activities are are planned for the year? Yeah, so I'll mention two other camps that are are our three coordinator runs, and those are our becoming our outdoors woman camps. Uh, so these camps are targeted at adult women. Uh, this is also another application. That application closes March thirty first. Uh, we have two of these standard camps this summer, and so one will be June 7th to 9th, one will be July 26th to the 28th. Um, these camps are a really excellent community, and Janet can definitely speak more about this because she was involved with this program for so many years. Um, but they create an excellent community of learning. Um, there's no judgment. There's no, uh, you need to know this to come to this camp. You can come however you are and learn whatever you want. You get some op options to pick what you want to learn. Uh, there's a bunch of great courses. Uh, yeah, it's just a really excellent time and a really excellent community. And I think that Parker nailed it when he talks about the community. I think sometimes um, there are women around the state or even around the country, actually, this is a national program, that aren't comfortable maybe going out and doing things by themselves, but maybe their friends aren't into some of the same things. And so this is a great place for you to meet these people. You know, I've met some of my lifelong friends through the Becoming an Outdoors Women program and have them scattered across the country. And it is so fun to watch these women like they get together, they go do bear hunts, you know, they go do a Dutch oven cooking, paddling on the kayak day, and they all come together you know, several times a year just to have that camaraderie and that friendship and all of the skills and, and people met at the Becoming an Outdoors Woman program. So it really is, is a fantastic adventure that I highly recommend that people experience. And one of the things like you may have just heard me mention two of them, Dutch oven cooking and kayaking, right? It is not hunting. It is not fishing. It is not necessarily hook and bullet. We do offer a lot of that there as well. You can learn all of that information, but you can also learn like, you know, gosh, maybe you're a fantastic cook at home, but you just want to learn how to, how to, you know, bake that peach cobbler or, or whatever it might happen to be. And, and we have fantastic instructors that come in into a non-intimidating atmosphere that it just really can't beat it. Now, you did mention that there are the hunting and the fishing. Do, can, can you not do any of the activities? If you're not a 
hunting enthusiast, but you're a, a fishing enthusiast, can you sit out of the hunting? So it's not even sitting out, Drew. It's you get to select which activities you are interested in, um, and you get to you get to pick like what is my interest for this summer. And maybe this summer you really want to focus in on fishing, and so you you pick fly casting, you pick kayaking. Uh, maybe you throw in a little backpacking there so you can get some of those backcountry lakes. Um, and maybe you have that great experience and next summer you want to come back and hit that hunting site. Then you can choose that kind of track, but you can, you can mix and match. You can choose kind of whatever you want there. It's a really excellent opportunity. Awesome. And you had mentioned that there's one more uh, camp that you wanted to, to mention today. There is. And so after you don't have to go to the bow first, but we have another program called the beyond becoming an outdoors woman. And this one's going to be targeted just at fly fishing. Um, it's going to be August 1st to the 4th. And that application deadline is, is March 31st, just for the, just like for the regular bow. Um, this program is going to be excellent. We're going to do a lot of classroom instruction on the basics on how to read streams on how to, you know, get out there and where to look for fish. And then we're going to have a bunch of mentors to go out with smaller groups of women and almost act as guides, uh, and really just show the women like, all right, now that we've learned that in the classroom, how do we apply this in the real world? How do we find fish, you know, and, and how do we get them into the nets? So it's going to be a great time. I'm sure there are uh, wives that are listening right now that would love to be able to go out and outfish their husbands on any given day. Absolutely. The, the, the situation on the applications, there are different levels of camps. There are different times you need to have the applications filled out and Obviously, the website is the great resource for this. Yeah, absolutely. All this information is on our website and even more in-depth information with a packing list, with a tentative schedule. That's all on our website under our education section. And Janet, you had mentioned to me before that things are kind of changing on the website. So if things aren't looking correct, the, the eventually they will be. Hopefully, yes, Drew. And we can talk about this more next week. And I, I can remember back to, I think it was probably our second show together, Drew. So two, three years ago, we talked about the new Game and Fish website that was coming. And here we are two to three years later, still waiting on that to get done. But rumor has it um, this February, it might be launching February, March time period. And we are all really excited. And we hope that it's a seamless conversion. And let's talk more about that next week. But during that conversion, if people are having some challenges, just wait. It'll be there. We promise. So go right now to the application section in the education and sign up for these camps. Get the kids, sit them down, find out which ones would be best for your family, what would be best for their interest. And, and really, now's the best time to start thinking about summer. Janet, you mentioned it at the beginning. We've had those spring temperatures and you get a little itch for summer. That's right. So let's take care of that before uh, the snow flies again this weekend. Awesome. Parker, we appreciate you coming on the show and all the great information. And uh, obviously, if people need a little more information, you're accessible through the website and can get on there as well and, and get all the information you need. But uh, thanks again, Parker. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Janet, hang on very quickly. Let's grab some more folks and let's talk ice safety Obviously, the Hog Derby canceled this weekend because of bad ice on Pathfinder. More coming up on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Welcome back to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. If you haven't heard, the 35th annual Hog Ice Fishing Derby for this weekend 
was canceled slash postponed. They're hoping they'll be able to get it in at some point. But ice is not good right now. We've had this warm stretch. We're bringing in Jeff from Game and Fish along with Janet. And Jeff, if ice is on and we're having weather like this and someone's walking out toward the ice for the very first time, what are some things they need to know? You know, one of the things we recommend, especially, is to don't go alone. Because um, if something would happen, you're stuck out there, you're by yourself, it's, it's a lot more difficult. But using something like a spud bar or an iron, an iron bar that you can kind of tap your way out like a walking stick, make sure it's not going through. Drilling holes every 10 to 15 yards, if, if you can, wouldn't be a bad way to go about it because the ice conditions can be really thick in certain shallow spots and much thinner if you get some kind of like an upwelling or a spring. Uh, and then just being kind of cognizant of where pressure ridges are forming or are located. They'll, they'll look like upheaves that collect snow drifts uh, into them. So, and really visual checks and then, you know, checks on the ice. And what color ice should you look for? Because I know that there's good ice and there's bad ice and, and color can really be a visual. And, you know, um, Drew, that is always to me something that's super counterintuitive. When I see clear ice, like I get heart palpitations, right? Because you can kind of see under it. It's like, oh, it's not very thick. It kind of stresses me out. And that is actually the safest ice. So clear ice is safer than cloudy ice, which you can imagine has been, you know, maybe frozen and thawed or um, frozen in separate layers, may have air pockets in it. And so, you know, if you're walking on solid white, it is not as safe as just a couple inches of clear ice. So keep that in mind. And, you know, here at the game and fish department we recommend a minimum of two but four is so much better um so go for the four don't go with the two but that's just our opinion and you know everybody has their own um, safety net that they want to go with and so make sure that um you know you're just being safe out there so if you are the the first person going out and obviously encouragement of a buddy system uh, smart to keep one buddy on land and let the other go out and kind of check the ice so that someone has a rope and can pull back? Yeah, to go out. You know, if you're not going to keep somebody on shore, if you're going quite a ways, at least keep some separation so you don't fall into the same hole together. Right. Good point there, too. Exactly. I was just going to say one of the things that, you know, we're talking about is a lot of this um, is on reservoirs and lakes. Right. So the thing that we never, ever, ever recommend is going out on the river. Right. That is some dangerous stuff. Yeah. And we've talked about that a little bit before. So it's almost the same way as Alcova, where that river is constantly flowing and it may look frozen solid on top, but it's underneath where it could be very slushy and, and you, know, you could fall through easily. Absolutely. And, you know, Jeff was telling me just was it just yesterday um, that he had seen some social media about an accident that happened in Russia, even that, you know, someone had fallen through the river and got trapped under the ice. And, and it is it's it's scary and dicey. And so huge warning. And and, you know, um, there are always lots of incidents that happen where, you know, a dog goes out um, or maybe your cat. And so you want to be very, very careful about that because, of course, you want to be helpful. You want to go out and, and get your dog to a better situation, which can sometimes lead to um, dangerous situations. That goes the same for a reservoir, too. If you have your dog with you and your dog has fallen through, 
There's a good chance that IFA is not going to be safe for you to go on. So you going out to you know try to retrieve that dog could end up both of you being in and, and not a good situation. Oh, for sure. And, you know, one thing is that you can change the distribution of your weight. The one thing that say if you ever are out on the ice and you find yourself, you know, it was thick and now you're in a spot that it's a little too thin and it's cracking or popping under your feet. The best option you have at that time is to lay down and spread yourself out kind of like a starfish. Cause it's kind of like the difference between standing on a nail or laying on a bed of nails. Like you've distributed your weight. You're not putting all your, your force on one little spot. Well, let's stick with this. And, and let's say the, the worst case scenario, someone falls in and it's, you know, you're the first person on scene. How should you go about approaching the ice and what should you do once you find the person that you're looking for? You know, it's kind of similar to how they say on an airplane where like you put your mask on before you help the people around you. Like you should certainly still be making sure that you're safe. Like I know time is of the essence, but you need to still be checking the ice, like have your spud bar, tap your way out and find the farthest distance you can get out there. At that same time, you should have people trying to be on the phone or you know, get a hold of emergency rescue services and the sheriff. Um and then from that point, throw your have your throwable rope or a life jacket. If they're not wearing one, throw your life jacket to them if you're on a safe piece of ice and just try to keep them buoyed up so that hypothermia doesn't allow them to, to sink. Jeff and Janet, we appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. We appreciate you. And don't forget what the wind will do to ice. We do live in Casper. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew, along with Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And, Brian, the end of February or the beginning of February, end of January, kind of uh, an odd time around Wyoming. And I think that we we knew that it was going to be questionable because the Farmer's Almanac kind of had this, well, we could be in or out of an El Nino. Yeah, it's uh, going to be the worst winter we've ever seen or the warmest. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's working on the warmest. <laughs> it has, you know, and I think uh, we're all kind of hoping that we get some moisture, but it has certainly been nice not having uh, a lot of snow to push around and uh, great weather to go out and play. You know, and, and really this is going to end up being uh, pretty good for, uh, you know, the wintering animals are, that we have around here that have really taken a big hit over the last couple of years. So hopefully this could be a little, you know, reprieve from that. Yeah, last year was certainly hard on the animals, but um, you know, a little bit of moisture will certainly help help with those animals as well. But uh, the weather's been so nice. I mean, gosh, it's it's nice to be able to just get out and you know hit out the go do some shooting sports or go ice fishing. And now that we've had that cold snap, you know, most of our reservoirs have good ice conditions, and um, but it's still nice enough to float down the river if you want yeah i know that uh we're talking to a lot of guys that are going out and they've been on the river doing some fishing just because it's been 55 60 degrees in the middle of the day so pretty pretty crazy i mean it's uh i mean it is kind of nice i mean with the uh, multiple you know different sporting aspects whether we're going to go snowshoeing up on casper mountain um there's just a, a lot of things to do and i know that they're doing a lot of grooming still on those trails up there i know they go up at least once a week just to make sure that they're they're good so a new pair of snowshoes could be in your future yeah well definitely uh, there's certainly a lot of things that you can be doing you know and the, you know just grabbing a box of clay targets and running out to you know coal mountain and doing some shooting or just planking with the 22 and the kids uh, this weather is definitely conducive to, you know, get out and do just about whatever you want. We were talking a little bit earlier about 
the uh, waterfowl seasons, you know, obviously duck is closed now, but goose is still a couple of weeks left of that. And you were telling me a little bit about, uh, you know, using waders and, and putting those tools to your advantage. And, and I know that uh, you do a lot of layout blind hunting, and have you seen a, a lot of good response to the from the birds during this time or well boy in natrona county i mean there just doesn't seem like there's a lot of birds here um you know we, we never really got the big push of birds down from montana and uh as warm as it's been we're, we're almost kind of seeing some birds migrating back to the north um, so we're starting to see some of that um and the birds that we've we've hunted you know they've been pretty responsive you know i mean we haven't uh, put a lot of pressure on them just because there hasn't been a lot of birds around but uh, down towards uh, douglas and wheatland they're seeing a few more um numbers down in that area and um I think, you know, well, the last couple of weeks of the season, you know, hopefully we get a little bit more of a push of either migrators up or some birds coming back down, and hopefully we'll finish out the last couple of weeks strong. And then we uh, obviously are into the fact where you can still do some pheasant hunting, go out and see Bob, and that's still the end of March, I believe. You can right. do that. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the, the pheasant hunting's been great. You know, they've had good cover all year, and uh, just great way to get out there and work the dogs. And as nice as the weather's been, I mean, it's 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 been very enjoyable. I know that you uh, had a take-your-dog-to-work day one day a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> have you been able to get your dogs out and run them? No, we haven't really been out. Uh, we have hunted some geese and uh, been in some situations where I just haven't brought the dogs out. But, um, yeah, the pheasant hunting will kick in here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, get out and enjoy it. And, you know, if you don't have the equipment, you need the equipment, you need to upgrade, you can stop on in here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. And uh, today we get a chance to talk to Dan Adler. And Dan uh, is a busy dude. It's It's been hard to, to get in, uh, our schedules lined up. But, Dan, you just came back from Mexico. You did uh, some – you were at deer camp there, and now you're in Nashville for a big show. So you're a busy guy. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun. It's great to get to speak with you and your audience Uh the life of a guide and outfitter these days, there really is no off-season, which is a blessing. I, I enjoy every bit of it. But as you said, we were just in Mexico at our Sonora Deer Camp. Prior to that, we're at Dallas Safari Club, San Reno for the Wild Sheep Foundation. This week, we're in Nashville, where I have some speaking engagements at SCI, and the same is true for Harrisburg, Pennsylvania next week. And then guess what? Then I'm heading up to your neck of the woods, so I'm super excited to see everybody. Yeah, it'll be good to see you here as the uh, Dallas Safari Club uh, the Wyoming event is going to happen, and lots of cool event uh, event uh, things happening that day. There's all kinds of winnings. There's all kinds of of gatherings, food, and fun. And and Dan, I know that you've been in this industry for a long time, and you've seen the way that the outdoor industry has really evolved from maybe just a couple of camo patterns to aisles and aisles of camo patterns and and different hunting options and it's probably been a, a pretty cool adventure for you just watching things go it's been amazing uh, you think of something like the dallas safari club which started obviously in dallas texas but now it's added all these affiliate chapters around the united states it wouldn't surprise me one bit if someday the dallas safari club affiliates are international i think they may even be already in the initial processes of that search. But you're right, the industry's gotten huge. The camo pattern choices are huge. I always like to joke with people during the month of September when they go into a sporting goods store trying to buy an elk call, just how many dozens and dozens of calls there are to choose from and how do you pick which one to, to use, you know? So yeah, the industry's grown a lot. 
Um, but the, the conservation model is growing, uh, but so is our resistance. So it's great to have events like we're going to have in Casper to raise money for wildlife, to raise money for conservation, and to make sure the lineage of hunting, fishing, and outdoor sports remains for future generations. You know, you've been doing a, a lot of hunting lately, just like we, we had mentioned that you just came back from, from deer camp. And the way that the the deer are starting to be here in Wyoming with the, the mule deer population down a little bit, any bit of conservation that can help out is definitely a need for not just Wyoming, but all over the country. Absolutely. In our program, even at Deer Outfitter Fees, we are in a stage where with Wyoming, both mule deer and antelope, where a lot of outfitter peers like myself and my friends and even conservationist local hunters, uh, I know some guys that just took a year off of hunting a mule deer last year. There was plenty of general tags for, for normal. However, uh, the deer herd was really, really hammered last year. Fortunately, the initial numbers this year doesn't look as bad for the winter kill. But uh, I know there's a lot of folks who are just doing deer points for a few years to let that age class grow back in. Nature will always take care of nature, but as hunters and conservationists, anything we can do to help. And I know there's a lot of great sportsmen and sportswomen out there who last year and maybe this year are going to do, to preserve their future Wyoming hunts, are still going to do bonus points, but maybe give that deer her just another year break to get that age class back in and help them recover. And that's a big part of what we do. We're not bloodthirsty killers. We love wildlife. We're sportsmen and, and conservationists and patriots first. And if giving the deer herd in parts of Wyoming that were really hammered by winter an extra year off and just by a bonus point, it's 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 sportsmen will gladly support that, and I'm one of them. You know, Dan, you, you, know, you obviously are a, a huge supporter of the outdoor world. You travel all over to give you know talks and, and to spread the, the love of the outdoors and how do you feel with the way that like young folks are now getting into the outdoors? And, and I know that, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't see as many women that would go out and do the hunting, but now you're seeing families go out and, and, you know, what would you give advice to a family that maybe is starting to get into the outdoors and and hunting? How would you direct them and guide them in, in the right way? Sure. Well, you're exactly right. For, for several decades, youth under the age of 16 are the fastest growing demographic of new hunters and huntresses. But here in the last seven or eight years, that's been replaced by young women. Uh, and young women, hunters and huntresses, whether they join as teenagers or into their adult stages of life, tend to be phenomenal hunters, phenomenal clients, uh, and often case out shooting their male peers, if not the majority of the time. As far as the fastest or best way to successfully introduce families or young children into the sport, start on something not overly dramatically difficult or overdramatically uh, long. You know, get out in the woods for a squirrel hunt. Uh, if you live somewhere where you can hunt quail or upland game, maybe a turkey hunt, a rabbit hunt, uh, maybe a deer hunt. You know, a lot of my first clients at Diamond Outfitters are deer hunters uh, for a few reasons. The hunting doesn't have to be as difficult or strenuous as you know, say Rocky Mountain Bighorn Sheep Hunt. It's a good way to maybe turn somebody away from hunting. But get them in a small game, upland game, maybe a mule deer or white-tailed deer, maybe a hunt where you come back to a nice, comfortable camp every day. You're not out bivy-sacking somewhere on the side of a mountain. So I would say for introduction to new hunters, something, you know, quote-unquote light, something with a base camp with a lot of fun. Focus on things you can control, like a really comfortable camp, really good food, a campfire's clutch, you know, s'mores around the campfire, and make sure everyone understands that's new. 
that going hunting isn't about killing something. Killing is, is the end result. And that is not guaranteed that that's always going to happen. But going out with friends and family, celebrating freedom. After all, America is the greatest, freest country in the world. And when you're out hunting, you're celebrating freedom. So get out around a campfire with somebody you love. Take somebody that's never been out there hunting. Introduce them to the sport. Get them around a warm campfire and watch the magic happen. I love that. You know, I mean, it's hunting. It's not killing. I mean, obviously, you go out and that's your, like you said, that's what you want the end result to be. But just the experience to me is sometimes better than than the actual uh, process of killing. But uh, Dan is uh, very well spoken and, and very well versed in the outdoor world and definitely someone that you want to listen talk to talk. And that's going to happen as we do the Dallas Safari Club of Wyoming chapter event. It's going on in February. I encourage you, if you don't yet, go get tickets for this. It's going to be a Friday, Saturday event. You can meet Dan. You can uh, shop some of the local vendors, participate in raffles, and uh, even play some blackjack on Friday. And it's going to be a great weekend, Dan. We can't wait to see you here in Casper. I am so excited to be there, and I would like to meet just as many Wyoming citizens, Casper citizens, hunting aficionados from the local area. Please come out and say hi to me Friday and Saturday. Let's play around at the casino table. Let's talk about conservation. Let's break bread together. And let's break some records for your local Wyoming Dallas Fire Club chapter. Can't wait to see you guys in just a couple weeks. Very good. Dan, thank you so much. And if you haven't yet, go check out the Wyoming chapter of Dallas Safari Club on Facebook and get all the information. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.